There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I have rosacea on my cheeks and nose. Um, my skin is often really red, dry, and irritated and itchy. No one is really sure what causes rosacea, but there are triggers. Mine are strong UV and both warm and cold weather. It makes my skin really sensitive, so wearing makeup and covering the redness is difficult. Um, and I have tried a lot of expensive hypoallergenic foundations. I also have to wear a high SPF on my face, and that usually leads me to developing a vitamin D deficiency every summer. And yes, masks irritate it a lot too. I'm definitely self-conscious about it from an appearance perspective, but for me, the main thing is the itching and discomfort. I'd love to just be free from irritation. Coming up in today's episode, former model and acne activist Lou Northcote talks embracing acne. I've now seen other people like me and it really did change my life as a whole, not just like online. I came back to that confident person who didn't care about my skin. Dr. Shira Nazir shares some home truths about our skin. We should be wearing sunscreen every day. 80% of UVA gets through the clouds, it gets through the windows. Plus, we hear more testimonials from our brilliant listeners. I have the skin condition vitiligo, which is a condition where white patches form on the skin due to a lack of melanin. Having a skin condition such as vitiligo can be psychologically damaging and can really affect someone's well-being. You know, now I embrace my skin. Um, I've learned to work on my mindset. I've learned to think more positively about my skin. And thankfully now I feel my skin is beautiful because it's unique. Today we're talking about skin, specifically problem skin and the idea of perfect skin and the impact that various skin conditions can have on us both physically and psychologically. Take acne, for example, which many regard as something that only happens to teenagers. It can also be a real big issue for people into adulthood. It's estimated that a quarter of women over 30 have the condition, which surprised me. I didn't feel that the numbers would be that high, um, to be honest. Um, and some of the most common skin conditions in the UK are eczema, acne, warts, contact dermatitis, and psoriasis. So it's a really big issue and incredibly widespread and impacts people in loads of different ways. So it's a really interesting topic to get into, I think. So the first thing I thought we should discuss, Rachel, is, is there a problem with saying problem skin? It's a really tricky one, isn't it? It was mm. something that we thought about when we were tweeting out and asking for people to get in touch and share their experiences because I didn't want to say, tell me about your problem skin. Yeah. If then someone, you know, replied and said, actually, my skin's not a problem. It just mm. really re-stigmatizes mm -hmm. the issue and it reaffirms that idea that if you haven't got, you know, perfectly clear, smooth skin, mm. then that 
must somehow be a problem. Mm. I mean, it's something to change, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, having said that, I have had a lot of skin problems myself and I call them problems because for me, like they have been problems at various times of my life. When I was a teenager in my early teens, I had acne and that massively impacts your self-esteem and confidence. Now my biggest problem is eczema. I Mm. have had it off and on my whole life Mm. and I I get it kind of on my backs of my legs and my by my elbows but it's really most noticeable on my hands because you just can't cover those up Mm. that is what's so uncomfortable about it because you feel so exposed when you've got Mm. you know red angry flaky skin that everyone Mm. can see and when I have a flare-up the thing I worry about most is just shaking people's hands Mm. and I think that's something a lot of people won't even think about you know and especially in a professional environment if you're going to for us like a a PR meet or you're meeting other journalists Mm. people greet each other either by the air kiss or by shaking hands and Mm. even though I am not a natural air kisser when I've got a (laughs) flare-up I am diving straight in there (laughs) because I just want to hide my hands away and it can can genuinely I can't tell you how much worry I've had over the years about meeting people just because Mm. of that so it is really hard that's so sad yeah is there something that causes it are there certain times when it's worse or yeah I think everybody's different but for me I know I have identified certain triggers like citrus or it's just stress related as well so it can feel like a real giveaway if you're trying to act cool and calm on the surface but Mm. underneath you're feeling quite stressed Mm. you can't hide it if your hands are giving the Mm. game away you know Mm. you can just be like I've been eating too many lemons (laughs) exactly it's 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 not stress it's lemons it's the lemons it's the lemons (laughs) um so yeah but also other times it's happened and I couldn't tell you why that's so interesting something that I did want to talk about in this intro is how bloody expensive skin conditions can be Mm. I have spent so much money on my skin over the years particularly with eczema because I went back to the doctor so many times to my NHS GP and didn't really get anywhere and kept getting given E45 that does naffle for some people it works for me it did absolutely nothing and eventually I ended up going to a really really expensive dermatologist I've got a cream and an ointment that I use religiously every day that dermatologist said to me, this isn't available in the NHS purely because it's so expensive, but it does work for a lot Mm. of my patients. I just think, isn't that so sad that, you know, I am very, very fortunate that I've had access to that, but so many people Mm. won't have had access to those things and and still be struggling. And to be Mm. honest, even even if you can afford it, it's frustrating. Mm. So is it painful? It, It can be, actually. It has definitely been at times especially with eczema if you get very cracked skin and then you get lots of little cuts and that can make very basic things like cooking difficult or at the moment it's an absolute nightmare with hand sanitizer because obviously we're like all encouraged to wash our hands loads when you go to a supermarket they've got their sanitizer Mm. ready to go some days when mine's been bad I've managed to find a sanitizer that doesn't sting as much as others so I'll just get mine out of my handbag and say oh I'm just yeah, gonna yeah, use yeah. my own and then you feel like a bit of a dick <laughs> but you know it's it's better than using the one that's potentially you know rose scented at the front of the supermarket yeah yeah I bet the person choosing the hand sanitizer that will go at the front of the supermarket is if you've not got 
eczema or if you've not got a skin condition where it could be painful it might not even be something that's even crossed your mind it makes me feel like my hands are on fire like it can be really really painful like to the extent of like you you know it keeps you up you lose sleep it might be eczema psoriasis rosacea acne all of these things and more they impact Mm. all of your life like so I said about shaking hands in a professional context and worrying about that I think dating is a huge Mm. one as well I remember a few years ago, I interviewed Holly Dillon, who is the founder of this amazing platform called Get Your Skin Out. They've got, you know, an Instagram account mm-hmm. and a site and everything else. And she has psoriasis and she's really mm-hmm. passionate about getting people to get their skin out and show it in its natural state, you know, and, and living your life as best you can with what you've got. And she spoke to me about dating and about that sinking feeling she gets. So she goes home with a guy and then she sees that he's got dark bed sheets and she's just like, fuck, I'm going to be flaking all over those later. And, you know, she oh talks gosh. about it in a really jokey way. But actually, yeah. that is really tough to deal with. And I've had that as well. I remember yeah. at uni once when I did have an eczema flare up, a guy asked me if it was contagious and it's really stuck with me. Um, at the time, yeah. I was mortified. And actually now, with a bit of space, I think, fair enough, like, education around this stuff is so bad. And, you know, he asked, and I guess that's, in a way, that's fine. But I would really like this podcast to maybe inform some people who don't know about all the conditions, as well mm-hmm. as helping people who do have them. Because um, mm-hmm. I think there's so much to learn around this. You're listening to Am I Making You Uncomfortable? If you want to join the conversation on social media, the hashtag is AIMYU. I have a chronic skin condition called seborrheic dermatitis, which basically causes red scaly patches and flaky skin on my face, um, in my eyebrows, around my nose and my eyelids, um, and then also very stubborn, clumpy dandruff on my scalp. Um, I also suffered from topical steroid withdrawal after I was put on steroids by doctors. So I am now use completely natural products to keep it at bay. Um, unfortunately, when I have a flare up, it's very embarrassing and painful. And it kind of, it doesn't make me want to go outside. I tend to retreat because of what it looks like when I am having a bad flare up. We're now joined by Lou Northcote, a former contestant on Britain's Next Top Model. Dealing with severe acne, she left full-time modelling and started Free the Pimple, an online community to make acne more visible and accepted. Thanks so much for joining us, Lou. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So when did you first start experiencing acne and how did it impact you as you got older? So I had your kind of typical teenage spots when I was like 13 years old, but my acne got really bad when I was 16. And as you said, I was a model and it was basically like waking up and my face exploded. And I think that's why it had such an impact. It very much came out of the blue, out of nowhere, and I didn't know what to do. Went to all these modelling agencies and sadly they all did say, you know, we'd love to sign you, but can you clear your skin and come back? So I couldn't, which did mean that I lost my modelling career 
And at school, having to meet new people, I became extremely insecure, didn't want to talk to anyone. Mm. The first day I was there, I literally stayed in my room for four days because I didn't even want to meet anyone. And it wasn't then. It was just I thought that everyone would judge me. People wouldn't Mm. be my friend because of my skin. It was crazy how it happened so quickly and it Mm. just took over my whole mind, my life, my emotions, just everything. And did it did it stay when you were out of those teenage years as well? It was actually clear for a whole year until I did decide to go on the show. And again, I woke up on the first day and my skin had exploded. Oh. And I was like, why is this happening again? And I was back on that roller coaster. And now is the only time my acne is properly clearing. You know, the myth of people think is, oh, acne is just a teenage thing. When actually it's not. It can 100% continue into your adulthood. Or you can even get acne for the first time when you're an adult. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. When it was flaring up in those periods, what did you do when you had to face people, when you couldn't, you know, stay in your room? How did you deal with it then? I was very obsessed with foundation. I would not leave the house without it. I wouldn't even see my parents. I wouldn't go to like the corner shop and get food without putting foundation on. You know, makeup became this thing I couldn't live without. Sometimes I'd even sleep with my foundation on if I was like staying at a friend's house or stuff because I was so ashamed. So on this podcast, we're obviously speaking to you about acne, but we're kind of talking about skin conditions in general as well, such as psoriasis, eczema, rosacea. And we know there's always been a lot of pressure for women to have, you know, perfect skin um, from all sorts of influences, magazines, TV. Um, Do you think that that's got worse in the last few years? I didn't have social media. So I just saw, you know, magazines and when I was a model, even me, I was photoshopped on magazines and that was what it was. But I think the reason why it's probably got worse is the fact that social media became such a big thing. I think that's what took the biggest toll without realising that they don't look like that in real life. It's um, it's interesting though, you said that you were photoshopped yourself when you were modelling What does that do to you as like quite a young girl working in the industry? It didn't seem to affect me because, you know, I didn't have acne at the Mm. time. So for me, it was like, okay, this is what the industry does. I was basically just made into whatever they wanted me to be. And as a model, you know that. And I think that's why it's not as damaging a way because you're like, okay, but it's sad for the other people because they think you look like that. And it's like, no, we don't. So when you quit modeling and... Then obviously you started your campaign to free the pimple. Can you tell us a bit about what inspired you to start that campaign? Sadly, I'd hit serious rock bottom again with my skin. I wouldn't leave the house. I wouldn't eat. And it was around the time when it was the body positivity movement. There was always people being, you know, empowered on social. I was like, this is amazing. But where's acne? Mm. So I posted a makeup free selfie and just wrote my story. And the amazing thing I realised is even to this day, you know, three years later... I haven't had really any trolls because the biggest thing I've realized with skin is it affects every single person in the entire world. Mm, I'm so glad that it has been overwhelmingly positive as well. Can you uh, tell us a bit about the impact that Free the Pimple has had offline? So some of the other stuff that you've been up to um, away from social media? I love the acne community that's being created because all of these people really helped me gain so much more confidence in myself, not wear makeup, literally, you know, free the pimple outside. And without them, I wouldn't have done that. I've now seen other people like me and it really did 
change my life as a whole, not just like online. I came back to that confident person who didn't care about my skin. Could you talk to us a bit about how your work has kind of impacted the beauty industry as well? They could have used it as tokenism and they actually didn't. They've used models with acne. I've done campaigns with brands and it's insane that that's happened because before acne ads were just, you know, a girl with a full face of makeup on splashing her face with water. Yeah, so true. <laughs> it, it didn't, yeah. it didn't, you know, resonate with anyone. And I'm like, if you actually put people with acne, I'm pretty sure you'd sell more products. For any listeners who perhaps are struggling with skin concerns themselves, do you have any advice? The best place is to go on social media. Like, it can be a horrible place, but it can be an amazing place and you can find people like you. And that's the amazing thing about hashtags. Do slow things. Do a FaceTime with your parents, makeup free, or your friends. And then I say the next thing, if you want to go outside, it sounds weird, but just walk up and down your street. And in your head, you're like, actually, I did that and I was fine. Then you can take to the next level, you know, go to the shop and get some milk or something. And it it, it takes those sort of steps and then you're like, oh, yeah. And it, it just becomes comfortable and you become comfortable in yourself and you forget that you're, you know, not wearing makeup. It isn't just about, you know, showing your acne. It's about accepting yourself during that time. We know you've recently decided to try medication for your skin, um, which, you know, a lot of people do that for various skin conditions because it's the right move for them to go down the medication route. Why did you come to the conclusion that it was the right option for you? I had accepted my skin the way it was, but then I was getting extremely painful cysts, is what they're called, so like under the skin, on my jawline and like on my head. And I would wake up, and it would be pulsating. Mm. So I would have to take painkillers. I was like, I'm sick and tired of waking up in pain. But my community is amazing because none of them have been, you know, shaming me. It's it's people who haven't had acne and are like, you're a hypocrite now because you've decided to clear your skin. It isn't just about the way it looks. It hurts. What I realized as well is I'm now helping the community in a different way because mm. most people who have acne want to clear it. So I'm now sharing a journey that is even more transparent. Before we let you go, we've got one final question, which is what makes you uncomfortable? So I actually Googled this a month ago. I can't remember mm. what the disorder is called, but I realised I have a disorder of some sort, which is really funny, but I don't like touching slimy things. What, what did you Google? Fear of slimy things? Yeah. <laughs> how slimy are we talking is this like a slug or like a mozzarella oh just anything like i mean like food textures <laughs> it's really weird oh molluscophobia see it's a thing the phobia of slimy creatures it's a weird thing and i yeah oh. so it makes me feel very comfortable and there's a top tip here that's come up don't go outside when it's raining <laughs> because these slimy creatures are everywhere so you might have to stay in today <laughs> that is not helpful <laughs> It says it on the results. See, there's, 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 it's a thing. <laughs> well, we've not had that as an answer before and I like it. I always like hearing something new. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lou. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. You can find Lou on Instagram under Lou Northcote and that's spelt L-O-U-N-O-R-T-H-C-O-T-E. And check out the Acne Positivity campaign under Free the Pimple underscore. 
I deal with a condition called sporic eczema of the vulva and I was diagnosed with this back in 2019 after a year of not knowing why I had an extreme burning pain down below. I was passed from gynaecologist to gynaecologist. They couldn't work out what was going on and finally I ended up a dermatologist who um, confirmed it was eczema of the vulva and it was because I had used a sanitary pad that I'd been allergic to and I didn't know. I deal with it with steroid cream, but during the process of being diagnosed, I felt so sad, I felt hopeless. It affected everything in my life, from working out to sex to just not being able to do the things that I wanted to do because the pain was so much. Our next guest is dermatologist Dr. Shaira Nazir. She specialises in dealing with adult skin issues and has some advice on what we can all do to take better care of our skin. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on the show. So we know you treat people with many different skin issues. Can you tell us what does healthy skin actually mean? And is healthy skin different for different people? It's definitely different for different people. So some people will, you know, be covered from head to toe and yet their quality of life is fine for them. And what they hope to achieve is maybe to be able to go out in a T-shirt and not have their rash on their face or their arms. And then you might have an aesthetic patient who doesn't have actually anything wrong with their skin, but they just want to improve the quality of their skin. We do have tools to actually try and find out about this. Um, One tool we use is something called the Dermatology Life Quality Index. And it asks questions like, did you skip any of your hobbies? Were you able to sleep? Were you able to go out shopping? You'll be surprised sometimes the scores that people have don't actually represent what you're seeing. Right. That's so interesting. So it's just so subjective. Absolutely. So with, you know, Instagram filters and being in lockdown and and looking at our faces so much on Zoom nowadays, Mm -hmm. do you think that our perceptions of perfect skin has warped? There's actually a new term which has come out um, in the recent years called Snapchat dysmorphia. And this is actually um, a disorder called um, body dysmorphic disorder. And it's really interesting because what's happened is we have patients coming into clinic, bringing their phones in and say, could you make me look like this? And it's very dangerous because you might never be able to achieve their expectations. And what they really need is actually psychological treatment. The other thing I'm seeing arise in is um, stress-induced problems because of being in lockdown and a lot of people are just stressed. So I'm getting a lot of patients with flare-ups of their skin diseases like acne and rosacea, hair loss and things like that. So can you talk us through some of the most common skin problems that you tend to see in your clinic? As dermatologists, we treat skin conditions, hair conditions, nail conditions. So a lot of skin diseases um, that I see are things like acne. Um, And the other condition I get sometimes is rosacea, where you get a lot of redness on the face, um, a lot of flushing, um, broken vessels. Sometimes people can start getting thickening of the skin around the nose. Other things are like eczema. For example, people will get 
itchy, um, really dry, flaky skin. Sometimes it weeps, it's painful. You might wake up in the middle of the night itching. And then other skin conditions that I see are like, for example, psoriasis, where you get really thick, flaky patches, sometimes on the scalp, elbows, knees, but you can get it anywhere, even on the face. All individual skin conditions have different triggers. So a lot of them are genetic as well. So there's some element of Yes, I can treat your condition, but you will have good days and you will have bad days. Mm. And the genetic part of it, obviously, we can't change, but we can try and give you treatments to make your skin more comfortable and more manageable. So, for example, acne, yes, it's caused by your genes, but there might be something in your lifestyle that you're doing to make it worse. For example, if you're not taking your makeup off at nighttime, a diet in high sugar or um, a very fatty diet, and then things like eczema, you might have a food allergy. Um, there might be something in the environment causing it, things like psoriasis and things like rosacea. We know that alcohol and smoking and things like that can cause more inflammation. And are certain demographics or people with certain skin tones or skin types more prone to these various things? The way we classify um, skin types are uh, something called a Fitzpatrick scale. So there's type one to six. And type one is, uh, you know, your fair person with kind of ginger hair, maybe freckles, um, with uh, blue and green eyes who burns easily. And these type of patients be more prone to doing mole checks and making sure they don't um, have skin cancer or um, things that cause a lot of redness, like rosacea and psoriasis, tend to look probably a, a bit worse on, on fair skin. And then those who have darker skin tones get other problems. So things like ingrown hair, um, keloid scarring, which is a thick type of scar that you get, um, uh, People with darker skin tones as well tend to get eczema, which can look very different. So they get pigmentation problems. And even when they get um, skin conditions like rosacea or acne, it can look very different. Um, so if you're not used to treating those with pigmented skin, sometimes you might miss a diagnosis or not treat them correctly. If you don't treat them correctly and they get further inflammation or sometimes the treatment can actually make it worse, they have lots of problems with what we call post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, where they're left with marks afterwards, even though the disease is gone. Um, so we do see different things with different um, skin types. It just made me think when you were talking that even when we do see those conditions like acne or eczema or psoriasis, it's, it is quite often on white people, yeah, on you know medical pamphlets or even on Instagram. So does that kind of impact your patients because they don't know what's going on I guess. It does and what's very interesting is it doesn't just impact patients it actually impacts doctors. So what we were seeing around the Black Lives Matter movement a lot of people were looking at the medical literature in dermatology saying actually this is not representative of all skin types and it's not just as you say patients not recognizing that they have a skin disease because of images that are being portrayed in the media but it's also in medical textbooks. So um, doctors doctors will be looking at people with darker skin tones, even if it's a common, common disease like eczema, but they won't be able to spot it because they're not used to looking at images of darker skin. This is why sometimes when I see patients with darker skin tones, I would always recommend that they go to a doctor who's used to treating darker skin tones because the treatments can sometimes be a bit different. Can you tell us how a woman's skin is likely to change throughout her life? What happens during our 20s, we start losing collagen, about 1% a year. And that's when you probably start seeing fine lines. 
as you go into your 30s, you might start seeing a bit of saggy skin because, you know, we, we lose fat and lose collagen. And then in your 40s and 50s, you might see deeper lines. So as we reach menopause, um, you lose another 30% of your collagen in the first five years. And the quality of your skin changes. So you get more dry skin. Um, your skin might look a bit more rough. Um, you might start getting pigmentation issues. For women, uh, hormones definitely have a big role to play. And that's why during pregnancy, you start seeing uh, skin changes. During my pregnancy, I started getting oily skin and I started breaking out and getting acne. Um, I started getting, you know, little skin growths like skin tags and, you know, seborrheic warts, which are very common after the age of 30. You start seeing these on people. So people in pregnancy get um, what we call the mask of pregnancy or melasma, where you get pig, um, pigmentation just along the cheeks, forehead, sometimes upper lip. After pregnancy, for example, you get hair loss. The other thing to mention as well is moles can change during pregnancy. So I always get a lot of um, pregnant women coming going, oh, this mole has changed. And again, it's due to hormonal changes. That's so interesting. I had no yeah. idea. There you go. Uh, we were talking before you joined us about the access to dermatology. I was saying that I've had quite bad eczema in the past and it got so much better after I went to a private dermatologist. But obviously a lot of people don't have access to that, particularly right now. And there'll be loads of people listening to this who will be relying on those products that are on the shelf. How can you kind of decode all of the labels and the products out there to make sure you're not wasting your money and you get something that actually works for you? If you have a skin condition, you need to know exactly what to use for it to get better and you need to know what active ingredients to use. The simple rule which I always use is if a cream says that it can do a million things and cure everything, then there's probably too much hype in that product. Eczema, you want to just keep it simple. And I see this all the time in other skin conditions like acne and rosacea. People start wanting to treat their skin and they start using every single thing they can get and all at once. And that can sometimes cause a problem. The, the main thing is you need to know what you want to treat. So if it's eczema, you need a moisturizer, something really bland, um, nothing that's fragrance because that can irritate the skin. And the more you use it, the more your skin is moisturized, the less eczema you'll have because dry skin actually makes eczema worse or irritates it. You probably need um, a steroid cream. Unfortunately, that needs a prescription. You have to use things in the shower, which don't have soap either. And then people who have acne, there are certain over-the-counter products that you can get. For example, um, benzoyl peroxide, which is antibacterial treatment. You can get things with salicylic acid in them. But again, when you start any of these over-the-counter products, don't Buy different things and start them all at once. Um, try them one by one. And, you know, when you're introducing something new, just wait for three weeks or four weeks before starting a new product. It takes at least six to eight weeks before you're going to start seeing any effect on your skin. Some people start something and they'll just say, oh, this isn't working and they've only tried it for a week. Um, that's another common thing I see a lot in yeah. dermatology. Guilty. <laughs> I've done that in the past. Impatient yeah. patients. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so 
if you can see a dermatologist, do see a dermatologist because I see a lot of patients who for years are using skincare products which they bought over the counter. I mean, some people go to the extent of buying really, really expensive products and they're not using the right one for their skin. And if they had just seen a dermatologist right from the beginning, we would have told them exactly what to use and we would have prescribed prescription grade skincare, which works much better and faster. Not everybody has, um, you know, the means to see a private dermatologist. The good thing is on social media now, there are a lot of good sources. A lot of dermatologists are now on social media educating patients for free. Always follow a consultant dermatologist. And the way you can check is by looking at the General Medical Council website. And you can key in a person's name or registration number and you can check their credentials. That's good advice. Um, So what are some of the common things you see people swear by in terms of skincare that you wish that they'd stop doing? A lot of people will come in saying that they've tried a lot of home products. For example, apple cider vinegar is probably one of the most popular Mm -hmm. ones. (laughs) Uh, Things like toothpaste, um, baking soda, uh, the other ones, garlic and onions. Please stop doing that (laughs) because... It actually can irritate the skin. So I've seen someone who's actually caused ulceration, like a big ulcer on their skin because they've left garlic on their skin and that's corroded their skin and caused an ulcer. A lot of these home products, if you put them on the skin, they can actually cause what we call an irritant dermatitis. So you start getting eczema with it and you've actually caused yourself another problem. So just be mindful what you're putting on your skin. The toothpaste on the spot thing is something that I've heard a lot of people say, actually. Yeah, everyone did that as like teenagers, I think. We don't advocate that. (laughs) But that's so interesting. I I wouldn't have known that. Thank you. Also, what about sun cream? Is there any advice you'd like to give people about sun cream? I mean, not that not that we need it potentially right now, but no, actually, you do. Oh, we should be wearing sunscreen every day, even if you're on a cloudy day. Eighty percent of UVA gets through the clouds. Um, even if you're out driving a car or just sitting by a window, you'll still get UVA rays. And UVA rays cause skin aging; they cause skin cancer. So technically, you really should be wearing mm-hmm. sunscreen every day. The other myth, actually, about sunscreen is people think that the sunscreen in their makeup is enough and actually it isn't so you do need to use a sunscreen before putting on your makeup Um, the other common myth about sunscreen is um, people with darker skin tones don't think they need sunscreen but people with darker skin tones need sunscreen because of the anti-pigmentation problems it's one of the top treatments that we would recommend um, to all patients that's so interesting about it coming through the window as well i never would have thought of that when we do mole checks we have to check their skin from, from head to toe i can tell just by looking at someone's skin whether they've had a lot of sun because their skin usually will have a different texture it'll look a bit leathery um you'll be more freckly you can just tell that was all super super fascinating thank you you've taught us a lot um but before we let you go we do have a final question for you and that is what makes you uncomfortable for me at the moment what's making me uncomfortable is a lot of misinformation on social media um so for example if i see someone talking about skincare and they're um you know possibly not uh, of a medical background but they're talking about it in a way that might not be correct mm-hmm. sometimes that really annoys me mm-hmm. <laughs> and also the other thing to mention is a lot of people try to copy what other people are doing in terms of their skin and we are all individuals mm. with different types of skin and you mm. shouldn't be following what other people are doing necessarily because it might not work mm. for you and you're just misinformation in general i've got a love hate relationship with social media at the moment yeah yeah <laughs> i mean i think a lot of us do yeah it takes a lot of wading through um 
Thank you so much for joining us. It was really great. Thank you. For more skin tips from Dr. Shaira, follow her on at Dr. Shaira Nazir. And that is D-R-S-H-A-A-I-R-A-N-A-S-I-R. So I don't think I'll be using toothpaste on spots anymore. (laughs) Um, It's a shame because it's so cheap, but I guess if it's doing more harm than good, that's not actually economical at all, is it? No, and I have one friend who will know who I'm talking about right now, who I've always thought knew everything there was to know about skincare, and she loves the old toothpaste on the spots. Well, I mean, Dr. Shearer, to be fair, did tell us that different things work for different people. That is true. So maybe your friend is the anomaly in this situation. Mm. I thought that advice was actually so um, important for her to include and for us to highlight at the end because Mm. if you forget that, then you can get swept away with just blindly following what some Instagram influencer has said that they do as their morning routine and actually Mm -hmm. it might not work for you and it might make your own skin more inflamed or more itchy yeah. or more spotty you know whatever it is yeah. it might actually make that worse and it just costs so much money I think and if you're kind of searching for a remedy or something online there's just so much information mm. and there is just so many products and so many mm. ingredients and it some of it's cheap some of it costs an absolute fortune and just to think that you could end up in this little rabbit hole buying you know, products that are like 30 quid a pop and then them not work. It's just it's just a bit of a minefield, really. I thought it was good advice, you know, if you kind of top up the amount of money that you could end up spending on loads of different products and going down the wrong path, if you can kind of get an appointment with a dermatologist, um, that could end up saving you quite a lot of money in the long run. Yeah, I mean, the waiting lists are long. Um, yeah, we should definitely warn people. They are long. But you, they are available on the NHS eventually if you can if you can hold out. I think those products as well that you mentioned, they, the marketing around them, some of them, it really plays on people's insecurities, I guess, like all advertising ever. Mm. And what we heard from Lou today is that when you've got a condition that you can't hide away, something that's on your face, that's mm. seen by everyone, it is really uncomfortable physically but also mentally you know there's Mm. a huge emotional side to this as well that I thought she spoke about so openly and honestly which was really really amazing Mm. and one of the things that I really took away from her interview was that you can fully believe that people shouldn't be shamed for their skin that there's nothing wrong with acne or eczema or psoriasis whatever it is and yet still decide to clear up your own skin. Mm-hmm. So she, you know, she mentioned going on medication and said that some people had called her a hypocrite because of that. But actually, like, that's not hypocritical at all because what we've learned today is that this is about so much more than just aesthetics. And mm-hmm. actually, I think it's great that she talks so openly about medication as well and that, yeah, she's she's okay with her skin when it has when it is showing acne, but she quite like it not to be there and there's nothing wrong with that as well Mm. yeah I guess it's just such a subjective thing isn't it like Mm. Dr Shahira was saying that she can see two patients that have completely different skin who will take it in a completely different way like for some people their quality of life won't be impacted if they've got um 
what other what another person would would deem as like really problematic skin and it's just so subjective Mm. if you can kind of find a community and there are so many hashtags just for so many different skin conditions and health conditions where people can kind of speak about their symptoms and their experience in a really open way finding people who can talk about how they wanted to hide away but how they um, slowly but surely managed to get back out in the world and get that confidence back must be like a really rallying thing yeah absolutely yeah i agree those communities are amazing but that's it for today's episode of am i making you uncomfortable please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a wonderful review we'll be back with our final episode of this season next week where we're talking about mother-daughter relationships i'm rachel moss and you can find me at rachel moss underscore And I'm Brogan Driscoll, and you can find me at Brogan underscore Driscoll. This podcast is produced by Rachel Porter. Our assistant producer is Marta van der Wolf, and our sound engineer is Nag Karinde. You've just listened to Am I Making You Uncomfortable? Hashtag AIMYU. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.